1: All right, welcome everybody. Passionate, yes. I don't know how lighthearted today's show is going to be because of the sad news of the passing of one of the all-time NFL greats yesterday. Tragically, way too early due to suicide. We'll talk Junior Seau for sure today. We got some NBA playoff basketball on the docket. MLB baseball: White Sox lose a tough one. Cubs maybe their best all-around game of the year, playing some pretty good baseball of late. We'll talk some Chicago Cub baseball. We'll do our baseball, round them up, and wrap them up. And as per always, we will jump heartedly and bravely off the sports page into whatever waters we might be dipping into. We'll take a quick break here, play a little bit of music. Not really a break, it's the beautiful music of thetalkzone.com. And then we will get this soon-to-be semi-award-winning show off and running, or at the very least, into a slight jog. Yes, indeed. Big Dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Definitively want to get the Big Dog's perspective on the uh, tragic happenings of yesterday. And Junior's say, oh, boy, I saw an interview on TV with, uh, I think his name is Marcellus Wiley, being interviewed. And that was one of the most uh, emotional, most touching interviews sports And or otherwise, I've seen in a long time, Marcel is a very good friend, longtime teammate of Junior Seau. But that is our lead story today. And without further, Joseph, let me welcome in my partner, a guy who has played the linebacker position. He wasn't quite as quick as a Junior Seau. He wasn't quite as big, close to a Junior Seau. But he had that same, from what I understand, big dog in your high school and college day. You had a little bit of Junior Seau in you, that kind of uh, all-over-the-field mentality. How are you, my friend? And I know you are touched up as well. About yesterday's happenings?
0: No, no I, I absolutely am. Now, I played strong side linebacker at, at Downers Grove North. Obviously, nowhere near USC. Yep. But when junior stay when I was playing at at uh, Grove North, junior stay was the preeminent strong side outside linebacker in the world at the time. He was so dominant in college, coach. That uh, and that's his name, stay out. You know what I mean? It was yep. just it was just great. That. He was always one of my favorite football players from the days when he was at USC. So I, I was truly mm-hmm. affected yesterday when Cloudy texted me, and, and just all I did was I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, just stand. I was standing in the middle of State Street, just like staring. I was like, I, what the heck just happened? I couldn't even believe mm-hmm. what, I, what I was reading at the time.
1: And I want to talk about some of the repercussions because uh, the reverberations will move on. Uh not only in the football world and the whole sports world. We'll try to get into some of the implications. Any of our uh fans out there you want to check in, our top story to start off the show. Uh certainly the tragic death of Parent Suicide Jr. Say how eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight triple eight four six three six seven four eight the phone number. Sadly, big dog as soon as you heard he was found dead in a gunshot, you immediately, at least I did, and I think most people because of Dave Duerson and a few others suspected right off the bat, sadly that it was suicide.
0: Yeah, immediately, immediately, and then it's, we're finding out uh, today that uh, he made sure his brain was intact. Yep, he didn't shoot himself in the head, and he wanted the NFL to yep. uh, he they want to he wants the, them to he wants to donate his brain to the NFL, basically, just like Dave Duerson did.
1: Yeah, the similarities <laughs> are. are uh... Unfortunately, uh, uh, amazing. And both guys, Dave Dewerson, for those that knew him, was, you know, one of the best teammates, one of the classiest guys, off the field, on the field, intelligent, nice, great father, great uh, husband, you know, charitable guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, started doing weird things. You know, probably started like ten, twelve years ago. Caused the divorce. It caused some business dealings to go wrong. He got in all kinds of trouble, totally unlike him. And some of those same things were happening to a Junior Seau, Big Dog, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's and that's the story is, uh, you know, like the Dave Jordan story is crazy. You know, you know, a Notre Dame graduate on the board and you know, successful business, and then yep. all of his decisions were bad and. And then uh, junior sale. I don't know. I really don't know about it, the personal life up to here. I really don't know about that. But uh, we do know that he he was telling all of these people over the last like ten years about how bad his head hurt, even mm-hmm. when he was playing, still playing in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. somebody was joking, "Oh, god I got a headache," and he's like, "Your head hurts." <laughs> he's like, "I would take a step without it pounding." You know, and then you know, when you're forty-four, you've had this happen to you your whole life, and eventually you get sick of it
2: mm-hmm. and.
1: Great strong side linebacker, as you said, just as a note, might be you said you played strong side linebacker. I was always in my brief, and I do emphasize brief, tackle football career, I was always the weak side linebacker. In fact, my coach would often tell me, Big Dog, wherever I was lined up, that was the weak side.
0: Yeah, that's uh you're not exactly Lawrence Taylor coach, so though no. I don't think that was gonna work. Derek Brooks wasn't wasn't gonna be like uh oh. The next week, yep. side linebackers come around, Is yep. John Cohen.
1: I was good in space. As long as there was no other blockers near me, I was outstanding in space. The problem was, if a runner came near me, or a blocker who wanted to actually hit me, then you know I was brutal. Actually, I was great but, in space, but I would just run to open space.
0: Well, the, the weak side part of the linebacker is yes. the open space part, but the linebacker part is always going to be the linebacker yeah. part of football.
1: Coach, that's, so. that's the best named position in all of sports. Linebacker. Just the name of it indicates the position or what what it takes to be good in that position. And of course, Junior Sale absolutely emphasized that physically, big dog. When you watched him, uh, particularly on NFL field, it was not imposing physically, but it was just his instinct, his game, his aggressiveness. And sometimes, apparently, he would not go with the design defensive call. He would, you know, break break routes, if you will, kind of using wide receiver terms, and make the tackle all by himself. So he had that. Great instinct that defied any X's and O's.
0: Yeah, and that's very Troy Palamalu of them. Yep. And that's uh, that's something that we found out about Polynesian football players. And I have no problem, because every time those guys seem to freelance, it works out for them, Coach. I, I don't know what it is, but if there's any if there's any people in the world that are like the nicest people in the world, and then you put them on the football field, mm-hmm. and they'll cut your throat, it's the Polynesians, Coach. That's no joke. So...
1: We, we used to always, what are we used to kid, that we need a couple of big, not Polynesians, but... Angry Samoans. Angry Samoans. That was our theory. Yes. Now, do the Samoans get along with the Polynesians? What's the relationship there?
0: Uh, a Samoan is a Polynesian,
3: Coach.
1: Ah. Are you sure?
0: Do we have to really get into this. I mean, really, do I have to give you another education on geography in the world? What do you think Polynesia is? <laughs> You know what Polynesia is?
1: Uh, you know do, what do you mean? Do I know what it is? It's people from Polynesia.
0: Okay, yeah. And where is Polynesia? I don't know. Well, it's in the middle of the
1: Pacific Islands. Is it right next to Samoa?
0: It's basically Samoa. Yeah. Well, uh, Samoa is in the middle of the Polynesian Islands, coach. You're okay. like Samoa, all everything like <laughs> what Hawaii, all that stuff. It's all Polynesia. Okay, okay. everything, all right, everything. I got it.
1: I got it. So our theory of you need a couple of angry Samoans applies to Junior Seau, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All
1: right. Exactly. And, 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 you know, you hear all And I, Did you happen to see the interview with Marcellus Wiley?
0: I have not seen it. I definitely want to see it because Marcellus Wiley is a pretty – he's for being an athlete on ESPN, yep. he's a very well-spoken uh, person, and he was a teammate of Junior Seau. Yep. So I definitely, definitely want to hear that. And Marcellus Wiley is always talking about how – important it is to be a teammate first over
2: other stuff.
1: And he couldn't have spoken more highly of Junior Not He really spoke just a little bit on the brilliance of him as a football player, an absolute Hall of Famer, no question about it, one of the best linebackers ever. But Marcellus Wiley was talking about teammate and uh, off the field and as a friend and as a family member. Just couldn't have spoken more highly about the guy. Definitely YouTube, um, it was as raw that's the best word I can use. Just raw. It's like taking off all the the covers and just interviewing somebody at his most vulnerable moment. But he still fought through it and spoke beautifully. It was raw and uh, raw emotion, and it was really, really scintillating television. Big Duck.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would like to see that because I, know, I don't have to hear about what a good linebacker he was. I'm a football fan my whole freaking life. I don't. Junior Sale. Junior Sale is either. The best or second best strong side linebacker ever, and the other one is Ted Hendricks. When you're making an all-time football team, Ted
2: he's
1: Hendricks
0: fighting out for a starting position on the team. That's how good the guy is. Oh, he's legendary in that in that in that realm.
1: Give me a T-O, baby, Ted yeah. Hendricks. Ted, Ted Hendricks. Hendricks
0: is
1: one of them. There's no.
0: only one of two people. No, don't even. Well, if you're going to start arguing with me,
1: I will argue really with you. That. I watched Ted Hendricks play. Wonderful, strong side linebacker, but not the best of all time. Sorry.
0: Okay. Well, then, it's, then there's Junior sale, But uh, all I know is Ted Hendricks is one of only two players—excuse me, three now—because it happened to Jerry Rice—that was on uh, an all-decade team of two different decades. Ted Hendricks was. You were also young, Coach. I don't think you realized how good Ted (laughs) Hendricks was when he was on the Baltimore Colts. He was the best defensive player in the NFL for like Uh, four or five years.
1: I don't know about that. I don't recall that either. I I mean, I recall him being very good. I don't ever remember Ted Hendricks being mentioned with the dominance in the same breath of, uh, you know, like a Lawrence Taylor or a... uh, Well, no,
0: he was never Lawrence Taylor good. I mean, that that Lawrence Taylor you're talking about right there is one of the best players Defensive players of, well, of wouldn't all
1: time, Lawrence Taylor. Be so I guess you know kind of a Lawrence combo. Is the Did...
0: weak side linebacker. Weak side linebacker. the weak side linebacker, and Ted Edrix or Junior Taylor is the strong side linebacker.
1: Okay. All right, the Stork. He was, he was... an
0: all-time team. It's tough to get on it.
1: The Stork is, is, was is, is, also. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He was a dominant special teams defender, right? Would block kicks and come up with big plays on special teams.
0: Uh, Sayo? Or
1: no, or the Hendrick. Stork. Ted yeah, The
0: Stork. That's what. That's what he was known for. Yes. Was. It, Definitely getting unbelievable blocks at
1: the yep. right time. Yep. All right. But getting back to a junior say out again. Any of our fans want to chime in on it? We'll talk a little, uh, baseball coming up later in the show. We got the NBA playoffs, uh, in action. Good game tonight. Oak City and Dallas. And of course, our beloved Bull game three against Philadelphia. We'll get to all of that. But, uh, junior say out tragically passing away yesterday. Our top story leading off the show. 888 The phone number, big dog. The implications now, people are just starting to talk about it, but there is some concern. And I got a couple of issues to bring up, but just in general for the sport of football at this point, it's a little early, but where do you see the reverberations going? Well, uh, if any, maybe there are no reverberations, or maybe they're minor and they'll end.
0: Well, no, luckily there's finally, um, there's, there's finally, like, not just an awareness, there's a recognition by, like, the masses. You know, so you know, it would be funny because you would watch, you know, I would watch football. You know, just say there's a group of like 15 people, and the one of the girl girlfriends of our guys, you know, would be like, you know, these people are really going to feel the ramifications of this later in your life. You like, shut up. You know what you're talking about. When you know, then think about it. That girl that would be the one that would get yelled at 15 years ago, she was right. <laughs> She's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, now that there's more of a recognition that everybody knows. It really takes this coach. Now, obviously, what's going to happen with the NFL in terms of the lawsuits going against it and all that? Let let or Lester, Lester Munson, figure that stuff out. What has to happen is people need to start to learn how to play the game of football on the at the twenty-two, the twenty-second century level of football, where the where the the football is the most important thing on the field, and not the annihilation of your opponent. If you understand what I'm getting at, yeah. there has to be a shift. When you're a defensive player, your idea should be to attack the ball. My idea is to get the ball. Obviously, when you're taking on blocks and all that stuff, you're going to get big-time contact in that. But if you can somehow figure out, guys, that when the ball is in the air, you play the ball and not the player. When you're running into a player, you lead with your nipples. That might sound crazy, everybody, but you lead with your nipples, which means your head is up. You're going to get less neck injuries okay, you're going to get a lot less head injuries. And most importantly, when you hit somebody, trust me, when you drop your butt and you blast somebody with the middle of your chest, that hit looks and sounds as hard as anything, and guess what happens? The person lands, you get right back up. There's no knee injuries. There's nothing. And if you don't believe me that it happens that way, watch Ray Lewis tackle somebody. He does it all the time. where He just runs right through somebody, and he tackles with his nipples. And you know when you tackle somebody with your chest first, the way I was taught in college? You know what happens? Your arms are outside, and they can punch at the football and knock the football off. There has to be a new way football is taught. You need playmakers, guys that intercept passes that force fumbles, not guys that knock helmets off. Coach.
1: Mm-hmm. So new teach twofold new teaching techniques, and that's pretty dramatic when we're talking about a sport as as established as the National yeah, Football the- League, and also uh, you know possibly rules. And I know there's a lot of people. I agree with you, Big Dog. But there's people out there who complaining the last five, ten years. I think there was a sports talk host here in uh, Chicago by the name of Michael J. North, who called it the pussification of the NFL. And a lot of people think you know they're making the game soft. But I'm with you. In fact, you got to teach better techniques. You got to continue it to be a physical game, but you gotta put some rules in to make it safe, so these guys just don't completely mess themselves up.
0: And, and, and what they really have to do is the NFL has to. Legitimized fine when they when they find Jerome Harrison, James Harrison, who me all that money for making what legitimate football tackles. Okay, was ridiculous. They really have to hammer the people that oh a wide receiver was running with his head turned, ball nowhere near him, and somebody launched themselves into him. I mean, those people should be severely fined. I, I found there was a lot of hypocrisy. So. As much as I want the game cleaned up, and I don't want cheap hits, and I want players to play with a passion and a physicality that is unquestioned, coach, there's got to be some. The barbarianism of football has to be somehow. Now, it can't be eliminated because you're talking about men that are running at each other into each other at full speed, and no matter what anybody says, there's going to be nasty collisions. But there's got to be just some way to just be the when something's blatantly obvious. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be taken away. You can't do it. And a lot of times when we would get into the James Harrison argument, Coach, uh, I'm not going to say, "Oh, I was right, you were wrong" about all the, all that, because we don't know what specific hit that the, the both of us were yelling at each other about. And as much as I want violence out, I also realize that there are certain situations. If you're a linebacker and you're running up, and you, you are about to drill a running back, and he cuts and turns into you, and then tell him with the helmet, and, he, and then the, the linebacker got fined that one time. I was like, well, how can Harrison, what are they supposed to do? You know what I'm saying, Coach? Mm-hmm. He is running at a ball carrier. The guy cuts into him, and it was one of the most grotesque hits you could ever imagine. I, I There was nothing he could have possibly done. A 270-pound man running 4'7'40, okay, and is about to make a tackle when the guy cuts into him. What is he supposed to do, like, just collapse and fall down and not tackle the guy. So mm-hmm. I think the NFL has to really make a legitimate uh, and a firm decision and be like, this was a football play. We know it's done with the helmet, but that stuff happens. Yep. This was a guy that basically had was totally defenseless, and even if it was not even that bad of a hit, not even, forget the damage. Look at the actual intent. Try to determine intent in mm-hmm. this because – that, that's going to be the difference. I don't want a pussification of bleak. I just don't want, I don't want people getting 15-yard penalties for making a good tackle when a running back decided to puss out and all of a sudden it's a helmet down and hit. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want people uh, getting scraped off a football field and put into a coffin because they decided to run over the middle and they weren't paying attention <laughs> to some rookie trying to make a team Decides to launch into them. If you see what I
1: mean, coach. I absolutely see what you mean. It might it might sound overly dramatic, big dog. But to some extent, over the next coming weeks, because of what has just recently happened and happened in the past, the sport of football is at a little bit of a crossroads. And I'm talking about it from the pop Warner Pee Wee leagues all the way up to the National Football League. I think there will be uh, you know, I don't know what kind of changes, but there's a bit of a crossroads and. It's going to be interesting to see how the participation numbers are affected by this, again, particularly at the high school, junior high, and the youth league uh, football levels. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I think there'll be some repercussions.
0: No, no there, there's definitely, you are 100% right there has to be repercussions. There is going to be repercussions. That's why the NFL should come out right now. It should come out right now. This is how youth football should be taught. Yep. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Absolutely. I know the. I don't know if the NFL then would be held liable or whatever. Okay, but they. Uh, Roger Goodell should put together some. Uh, it would be like two football experts mm-hmm. and 97 lawyers into a room. I know. I, I know what reality. It should be one lawyer, and 99 football experts.
1: NFL okay. football, a tough game played a safe way, narrated yes. by Chris Berman.
0: Okay. And this is and this is the way. Just a little thing. This is the way. If. If you're teaching a seven-year-old how to play football, yep. okay, obviously it should be flagged, But this is how you teach somebody to tackle somebody. It's not with our yep. head down, you know. It's not by like you know exactly what I'm talking. Yep. Your head is yep. up, and, you, and you, no and a no cheap shots.
1: No cheap shots to guys who aren't looking. Where even if the head is not first contact, the when you get body blasted from behind when you're not looking, big dog. That the snapping of the head. I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to take a wild guess. That's uh, not great for the future. Well,
0: well, well What are you going to? Have? Hey, well, you're, if you're talking about a clipping, like, well, that's already illegal. But if you have the ball and somebody hits you from behind, that's that, that's like oh. one of those things that. I, what you? Well, do yeah,
1: you're that? right. If you're a runner, you can tackle the guy from behind. I guess I'm thinking of the receiver jumping up in the air. Uh, okay,
0: well, that, that, you know, you're exactly my Coach. And here's what you have to do now. The,
1: the player should be jumping up, trying to
0: break his arms up. Do you know what yes. I mean? You don't want to go for the ball. into the guy's yep. ribs.
1: And like, correct if me if I'm wrong, Dawg, that's not the rule now. You can go for the body. But if they just simply change the rule, you must go for the ball first and not just body blast the guy hoping that the ball will pop out.
0: I, we really need – because I, I – I, I, sometimes I don't trust you in all these things. I, I don't I, trust I don't,
1: myself, so, you know, join the game.
0: I, I really wish we had, like, some video to be like, this is what we're talking about, this yeah. isn't. Uh, but because it's, like, the, along the defenseless receiver uh, yep. line. You know what I mean? And if, 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 I guess there's got to be, you got to make a play for the ball, mm-hmm. is
2: the best way that I should say. Yeah, I like that. You know it. what I
0: mean? One guy is right. making a play for the ball, and another guy is making a play to actually kill him. Uh-huh. But then it comes into the fine line of, still a football play because I know one thing. I was there were certain teams that when I was playing linebacker in college, I didn't always rush the quarterback and I wasn't. I sometimes I actually had to cover people and that, that was really stupid. You had me chasing the, the slow dude with the ball, not some faster. They're trying to get the ball to his, It's Moronic, but we would play some teams. that would be like, hey, they're going to complete passes against us. You make sure they can catch the ball. They just get no yardage afterwards. So. You know, there's also plays where you have to make sure you tackle people too and it's you get into that fine line, you're running it so fast and you gotta make that decision. Put, make the play on the ball, hit the guy, and then you just have these ugly, ugly collisions. It's what are you gonna do? Just ban the sport? You know, you're gonna are you gonna mm-hmm. not say we can ever box anybody again because so many people have had, you know, head traumas from that? Yeah, you know, actually so,
1: I've I've advocated it a long ago nobody listens to me, but you know, why should boxing be different than any other opinion I've had, but I've advocated long ago, I love the sport of boxing. But they mm-hmm. should be wearing headgear like the Olympic guys do. Okay,
0: yeah, I haven't no that.
1: Then. I would still I enjoy the sport. Yeah. I know a lot of people wouldn't. I could still enjoy the athleticism and the power of the game, but I, I, I struggle to enjoy it when I see these guys getting hammered in the head over and over and over again. Now let me and throw out let me throw out it's
0: a it's been proven in boxing that the gloves actually create more damage to the person's head. So you're a doctor right coach. Yeah. That's that, when you look at you're right about the boxer, I'd have no problem with that. I have none mm-hmm. with a helmet on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, go ahead. I want to bring up a different aspect of it. David Olson, our producer, I want to throw this out at you first. This is one that people haven't talked about that I have a fascination about. I think with you know what happened with Junior Seau, Dave Dewerson. somebody mentioned, was there an Atlanta Falcon a couple of weeks ago who committed suicide?
0: Yeah, there was. There was. It wasn't just Dave Duerson There was another former football okay. player. Recently, has committed suicide. Right, so there are. It, 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 it was a guy that played in the seventies, coach. Okay. He was really old. He was. Let me think of his name. He was a white defensive yeah. back. Ray
1: Easterling. On, Nate yeah, Easterling. Yeah, okay. Ray Easterling. Ray, I, Ray I, Easterling. I remember him. And we. And there was the center from the Pittsburgh Cedars, the great center Mike. Mike Webster. Yep. You know. So there's been a number though. Now my question to you is. We've kind of you know t- we've touched on the future players, what's going to happen to the youth program, no answers, but we've at least touched on. Big Dog, you did a, a excellent analysis briefly of what should happen in the current NFL, but my curiosity now is with the players that have retired recently, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they have to be thinking about like almost like waiting. For the ball to drop, ooh, was that because I've been con- – they've got to be extra careful now, worried about, is this going to happen to me? And every little thing that happens to them, starting to think, ooh, am I starting to go down? Do you know where I'm getting at? It's kind of yeah, a sick no- fascination, but is there that aspect of it? And even worse, could it become a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you know where I'm yeah, getting at?
0: Yeah, think, think about it if you're like, like Mike Singletary. And, like Mike Singletary had a yep. lot of collisions in his life
1: a lot of okay hard best
0: friends with Dave Turson that's friends with Dave Turson and another and another guy that like he, obviously he I'm sure he knew and respected Junior style and all of a sudden he's thinking to himself you know how many concussions did I have yep you know what? You know, I remember seeing this thing about 4 or 5 years ago was this this uh this exposé i forget who did it it was probably like an HBO thing it was about all the horrible concussions of NFL players and what was happening to them. So bringing up the exact point, they were talking to current players and they were like, "Wow, you know, I never really considered it. I, I would play because I could still run fast. I can, I was still powerful. All that, you know, all that
1: stuff." But all that all was- of a sudden, you make a bad business decision, you get in an argument with the wife or a friend or some uh, stuff that all of us do, uh-huh. and they can start thinking to themselves, "Ooh, is this because of my football career?" Yes, and that can Maybe lead. Yeah. That's it's an interesting I I don't have any solutions for it. I just find that a in somewhat of a sickening way, kind of a fascinating aspect of it. Hunter Hillemeyer, big dog, is a young guy. Who yeah, just recently he, uh basically forcibly retired, right? Teams wouldn't let him play. He wanted to come back. No, no, no. He he
0: actually after like the second after the Bears were like, You gotta retire, he was like, No, I don't want to, and another team, then he thought about it. He was like, You know what, maybe maybe all these things are right. It, it, the, the thing that I saw a couple years ago, the NFL was like, you know, we're going to go out ahead and we're going to let all the players know that if they come to us, we will help them with their head trauma. So on the NFL Players Union website, the NFL posted this thing, uh, this long-detailed message to any players suffering from head trauma to make sure to contact them. All I know is, is if you're suffering from head trauma, you're not going on the NFL Players site and reading all this all, all this freaking information. It was on the... Not one player contacted the NFL.
2: Mm-hmm. So That's it's... it's, it's,
0: it's... Post, oh, we're going to post on our website that you can come for some help. But isn't that moronic? If a year later, hey, nobody asked us for help. Maybe you shouldn't be posting on a website for people with head trauma. You have to go determine that. What happens to that yeah. of, Their loved ones, their family, they have to recognize that, you know, this guy is looping now, and it's got to be from 10 years of 160 games of running in other human beings at full speed. Yeah.
1: And that's the part you hear with Junior out too, that the people surrounding him. Now, it's still early. Maybe we'll hear more, but people did not suspect. They were shocked and mm-hmm. did not suspect he was suffering from any kind of depression. And I guess uh, that that type of depression can be held in and hidden very carefully, Big Doug, which makes it tough to diagnose.
0: And, you know, when, uh, when you're suffering from that type of depression, okay, and your head hurts, but I guarantee those three hours he was playing football, his head never hurt. Okay, he, he might be knocking it in that head that has killed him for six and a half days all week. Believe it or not, in the time that he's banging it up against people, his head doesn't hurt anymore because he's got that adrenaline rush. And all of a sudden, now he doesn't have that that once a week thing. And it's, the last two years are probably just horrible for him. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, he is one of the toughest sons of bitches you've ever seen. The game was like it was 2010 or whatever game it was when the Bears were playing. It was 07. Okay, it was a, it was a while back. When he broke his arm in half, do you know what I'm talking about, Coach?
2: State I don't. I don't remember. Bears, yeah.
0: He literally his arm got broke in half and was dangling. It was dangling there. Tape it up. He walked up. He pointed to it and just walked off the field, Coach. He pointed to the trainer like and like did the did the come get me? And he didn't get scraped off. He like you know he so basically told Belichick get get another linebacker out here. I, I'm done. <laughs> not rolling around. Oh no, that dude can tolerate some pain. Yep. So I can't even imagine how bad his head hurt.
1: Hmm. Well, I wonder. In in uh, not just this one. Uh, and again, I'll throw this to our semi psychological expert, David Olson. David, in most suicides or something like this, what percentage is real pain? It's just life. Is, when I say pain, not only physical. They're thinking logically. Life is so bad right now. I feel so much pain. I've got to end my life. Versus. What percent is they're just not thinking logically, they're not thinking correctly? So real pain versus are they just out of their element, not thinking logically? I mean, when you do something as dramatic and planned out as take a gun and shoot yourself in the heart. you understand the question I'm asking?
3: Yeah, but I I really don't know how to answer that question. I don't either. That's why
1: I I figured I'd ask you. (laughs) But, you know, it's sort of two different things. It is, but not to the person that's
3: committing the act to themselves. Are
1: you totally mentally sane and you're you're smart, you're it. you're thinking about it, and the the, the mental and physical pain is just so bad, I want to end my life? Or I, I tend to go the other way, that they're just not... To commit suicide, you cannot be thinking of great common sense and logic.
0: No. You can't. I mean, obviously, you can't. I've I've always said, uh, Coach, if uh, if anybody ever ruled my death a suicide, investigate because I don't care yeah. what happened.
2: There you go. It was
0: not. It, I've always said that, and then I, I thought about that this morning, and I'm like, if my head hurts so bad that like light, you get any light, you're like a vampire. It like uh, feels like uh, you know you're getting nails on the chalkboard at like at a million times the volume, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would deal with it. Head pain is something completely different. Coach, I've, I've suffered the worst pain ever in the, in the world. That's getting your fingernail ripped off, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, so gosh. if I can suffer through that and I want to kill myself, I'm I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure every other type of bottle of pain i would be able to deal with. I don't know about the that head was, pain. Um,
1: if I yeah. recall, if I remember correctly from our discussion six, seven years ago, the fingernails were pulled off in one of those massage parlors you went to, right? It was part of a deal?
0: No, it was the, the day of my wedding, remember? Ah. Remember, it was the day oh, that I got God. married.
1: I get my stories mixed up. Yes. I thought maybe you traded favors or something.
0: No, 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 no. No, I never had a uh, an unhappy ending. And I'm massage
1: <laughs> You get your fingernails pulled off, that's a pretty unhappy ending. Yeah, definitely, yes, Coach. Yeah. That's, All right, but on the know, other side of it, if team. it's not physical pain, I just cannot imagine what goes inside your mind. When you actually plan out, as Dave Dewerson did, and Junior sayado a little bit because he texted, and I actually had a friend, uh, unfortunately, that that did this and wrote the note, and you know, it was young, healthy, the whole bit, totally unsuspecting. What goes on in your head, you know, that is that drastic that you want to end your life? It's it's it's. Pardon upon, but it's mind boggling. I got you,
0: I was pretty I was pretty done in the dumps on uh, uh, about. Three years ago, coach.
1: But never did. And the I point.
0: actually thought about taking all the money I had and going to the casino and just putting it all on like on the roulette table. And if it hit, I was gonna. But like you know, that was like when I was. Yeah, going but to that's that, like, I
1: that's I different. And, like and that, if it so. didn't hit, had you even considered? Uh,
0: well, no, I wasn't really like no. seriously doing it.
1: You know what no I mean? no matter how, how down you, if like you're it. thinking logically, no matter how down you are, you can't think of ending your life. I mean, there's still air to breathe, food to eat, people to see. Right? Not to the person committing
3: that act. When they get to that point, yeah. you know, I mean, sometimes when people get to that point, it's a cry for help, but other times they're at the end of their rope and they don't see any other way out. They can't live through what they're going on, whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's psychological pain. Hmm. Sometimes the person gets to that point and they see no other way out mm-hmm. except for except to move on to the next plane. But
1: I... Uh, but are they logically thinking at that point?
3: Uh, that's that's a matter of perspective. Yeah.
1: But to then, to uh, the
3: to the person to the, the person on the outside, maybe not. Right. But to the, that person, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, Coachino, you said a cry for help. Okay. And this may come off as insensitive, but bear with me. I had, uh, you know, when you get somebody like Dave Dorson, you're somebody like Junior, stay When you make your mind up to do something. Like, you go through with it, and you go all the way, and you don't stop at anything. That's how you become all pro safeties, and on the all-time team in the NFL as a linebacker. Okay, and then, like, I know people you talk about, like, the cry for help. Like, they were the type of people that would literally try it, and they'd be like, I can't even commit suicide, right? You know, like, one of my best friends from high school, his sister literally slashed her wrist, like, four times in a matter of, like, three years. It was I, like I felt and then would like literally we take whole types of like and then at the end you know she's like, oh I couldn't do it and it was like it's strange and to this day she still does stuff like that it's always a cry for help and she's mm. never accomplished anything mm. you know and then you got other people you know you you think it's a cry for help maybe it's just like the way the person is you know like like if if B decides you know what I can't take it anymore I really think that I should. I I don't want to live anymore. So let me do this the right way. And mm-hmm. him and Junior Sale decide to save their brain and and commit suicide. They go 100 percent with it. It's sometimes it's just like the person's like gung ho attitude. They mm-hmm. they died the way they lived.
1: It's an interesting, interesting aspect of it, one that I have not heard, and it actually uh, makes sense this time uh, in the you know on the football field it works so very much for them and. Apparently, off the football field, it worked the exact opposite way. At least in this particular case, dog and the coach with you right up until eleven o'clock. Here, the two guys at a mic show eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. They only give us an hour, big dog. We do got to move on. But uh, do you think I was 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 too dramatic in saying that uh, to some extent, football, the sport of football, again at all different levels, is at somewhat of a crossroads here uh, in the next couple of years, coach? If 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 you don't realize that football's in a crossroads, one of two things are going to happen. Well,
0: either not a- nothing's going to change and we're going to have somebody die in the football field, okay, or or two, people are going to quit playing it, okay? So either some, an initiative, I should say, I'm not talking about like a, an ad hoc group that goes into a room, comes up with a solution, and nothing gets done. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking a legitimate awareness of all parents that get their kids involved in football that Football needs to be taught a certain way and it could dramatically decrease the amount of significant injuries that are in the sport. And, and if you think you can play football in a way that there's only slightly more significant injuries than a sport like gymnastics or and maybe gymnastics will have more than football forever. If you think about percentage of people who play the sport and get nasty injuries or, or a game like soccer, you know, soccer gets some pretty nasty head injuries and, and stuff too. And don't forget about like uh the swim teams that like to provide those schools and stuff. I mean, that's deadly. Okay, so you got to think about. You just can't say, "Oh, football is a, a bad sport." If you play football the proper way, coach, significant decrease in injuries all across the board. Okay, when you, when you get guys going out there, you have one guy on a football field with his head down constantly. Well, guess what? That kid with his head down constantly is going to give a bunch of people concussions, mm-hmm. and he's going to break his freaking neck one day and be in a wheelchair. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Just out of curiosity, I had to do a little bit of loop to loop. What, where did the Proviso swimming team fit into this conversation? I had to
0: throw a little bit. I had to throw a little bit of humor. Into okay, this okay, we're I got supposed, it. To, be, we're I was supposed to be. a was comedy show? So I figured the idea of Proviso yes. West dominates in all sports besides swimming. I figured. I figured we should at least. Because trust me, you go yes. to Proviso is the one time. It's not. The swim team is the only team in America <laughs> okay. that provides to give out swim instructions. That's, okay,
1: that's where I thought you were going, but you you said it with such fluidity in the course of the conversation. I thought maybe I missed something, but uh, <laughs> you don't want to be a diver on the proviso swim team, considering the the swimming pool is shallow and only that would not be uh, your yeah, best choice. Yep. It's not good. Not no, good. not good. Not good. All right, 888-463-6748. We'll be talking about that certainly tomorrow in the days to come. Hopefully not talking about any more instances. My goodness. Uh Just a tragic, tragic story. And, again, the death of Junior Seau right at the first and foremost on today's show. Dog, there are other things to talk about, including baseball yesterday. And I've heard it from other people in the little bit I watched about uh, maybe three or four innings of the game, the Chicago Cubs. Your Chicago Cubs, my friend, played their most complete game of the year: pitching, fielding, and your favorite thing—situational hitting—in yes. defeating the Reds yesterday, three to one. You had to be a happy man.
0: i uh, very, very happy. Now, very rarely do you go into the Great American Ballpark, and your strategy should be, you know, base, you know, base to base, and then situational hitting. Normally, you know, you just go in there and you, you try to beat somebody
1: eight to six, yeah, especially on a warm nice. night like it was.
0: Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's good to see. You know, you put pressure on a team, you get a you get a couple of runs early, and all of a sudden the Reds are like, Oh, we gotta hit a home run to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I, I like it, coach. It was it was a win yesterday as a cup fan. When you see Soriano going first to third, you know, out a at a single. It's like, Yes, heck yes, Soriano, you know, you know, earn some money. Hundred, you make making a hundred more than a hundred thousand dollars today, go first to third. <laughs> it was it was a really good win yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh Samarja, uh Pound in the strike zone, low. A lot of move, weight movement on his pitches, and uh, really trying to go deep into the game. You could tell that it was more about getting out and getting through the inning than trying to prove, hey, I'm I'm a more powerful pitcher than you. And you know, wasting all of this stuff. It was it was all it was good all the way around. And then Carlos Marmol comes in and gets it done. Heck yeah, looked phenomenal yesterday. So. The best win of the season for the Cubs. just yes, the was, coach.
1: Best that part didn't... about Marmal's save, by the way, is he didn't age me another six months. He did it one, two, three, which is very seldom for Carlos Marmol. I thought for sure when he went three and two on the first batter. I'm like, all right, here we go again.
0: Yeah, and it, he was going two on that guy. Uh, and then it was, yep. it, it, Carlos Marmol, let me let me just let me tell you something. Okay, you're you're a closer. You're supposed to face three to four batters in outing. He now has added a third pitch. Get rid of it! <laughs> Two pitches, Carlos Marmol. Do you see what I'm getting at? He doesn't, he's not a starter coach. He doesn't have to be Hugh Darvish with nine pitches out there because, you know, he's going to throw 300 innings this year. Carlos is supposed to throw, you know, 55 to 70 innings for the Cubs. I, I, fast, four-seam fastball, slider. Now, he added that two-seamer this year. He can't throw it for strike. Have you seen it move, though? It's electrifying. I don't care what anybody says. Carlos' Mall stuff is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I just wish you could throw a strike.
1: Yeah. I just wish you would make things easier a little bit more often. There's a surveys will tell you a good portion of the Chicago Cub uh, fandom, uh, listening audience, watching audience, is senior citizens. A lot of those seniors are getting up in years, the heart not so good. You know, they're losing their hair, the health not great, and Carlos Marmol, even when he comes up with a save, usually ages us about six months in about a fifteen-minute period attempt. So I appreciated last night, big dog, a rare one, two, three, and I hope to see more of those from Carlos Marmol.
0: No, I, I can appreciate those Cubs fans. Now I, I, you do know that I've got like this this year man, and and my whole thing is this year man. As I've gotten a lot of uh, older people to start following me. Yes, okay, and then all of a sudden they find out that I'm not talking about they need to win this year. That I want them to, but if I, my whole thing is more of a belief of let's turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. And I'm being practical and reasonable about the Cubs situation. They're getting upset. They're like, I'm at 94 and I'm a respirator. <laughs> they need to win this year. I get it on follow. They get all upset. They really thought it was like, I was so nonsensical that I thought the Cubs were actually good. They're whatever it took to win this year. Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're talking about, those people on the respirator. There are some people right now that, are, I, this might sound crazy, Coach, and I'm not trying to be sick either. There are people on their deathbeds that are that are wondering whether or not that I'm going to see the Cubs win. And one of those people literally contacted me. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. The guy like lambasted me. He's like, "You have a bunch of good points, but I'm sick of hearing this. I hear this every year." And he's like, "I'm done. If they don't win this year, I'll never see them win a, a World Series. I only have so long to live." I was like almost in tears reading this freaking message. Yeah. This guy. It was like a hate-filled message on my on this year man WordPress.
1: And when a 93-year-old oh, guy tells you if they don't win this year, I'm done, the I'm done takes on d- d- definitive repercussions, if you know what I mean. It, it does, I mean he might be does, done. Does. Yeah. I'm impressed, though, that uh, some of the seniors, some of our elderly folk are able to Facebook you and contact you through social media. That's impressive. No,
0: no, it's, it's, it's funny. The old people, never on uh, Facebook or Twitter, but my, my uh, This Year Man blog, if you just go to thisyearman.com, I, I see the demographics in there, Coach. I, I'm not exactly reaching who I thought I was originally going to reach. It seems to be my median age is around is around fifty, and I and I've got like, don't forget, I have like my nine year old nephew who, who reads all my stuff, and yeah. I'm like, Uncle Joel, you, you spelled bear wrong, you know what I mean? And so,
1: well, I hate to tell you, Big Doe, but that fits in with the uh, the ratings on our shows over the years. You and me, I can't figure it out, uh, but apparently we're very popular with sixty and over. And nine and younger, we're doing very, very well. The, the, the group that we haven't been able to get over the hump with yet is that uh, very popular advertising group of age 9 to 60. Between yeah. those ages, apparently, we're not that popular, which is unfortunate.
0: But we're making we're making gains, Coach. We are? Yes, folks. Well, <laughs> I don't think you realize how the last couple of weeks have been extremely fruitful for us.
1: Okay.
0: And maybe not in terms of regular radio uh, stations. But for us, percentage gains have been—they've been nominal. As if that makes any sense. I don't know if that Did You makes say
1: sense. nominal or phenomenal? Nominal. Nominal. All right.
0: Yes. I won't say phenomenal.
1: Okay. But the arrow—the arrow is mean, so arrow, arrow, pointing up.
0: All right. Yes, that's so the arrow is pointing up, and we only—we have one finger pointing now, so it's all good. Eight
1: eight eight four six three six seven four eight. If you are between the ages of nine. And sixty, we'd love to hear from you. Might help our advertising and our demographics—a beautiful one-two combo. Dog and a coach at your service up to eleven o'clock. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. South side of town. Big dog. White Sox uh, lose to Cleveland six to three. Phil Umber, uh not bad, but he did walk six players. He wasn't great. It's his, you know, his first performance after the perfect game was bad. This one was mediocre. If this keeps up, people are going to stop wanting to pitch perfect games.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, you, you know, you know the thing is, Bill Umber, is a—he's a decent pitcher. I, I really yeah. do think he's good. He had a really good first half last season. Um, I, you don't want to put too much expectations on a guy that could it's like a fourth or fifth starter in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. And it's funny, this guy's used to big expectations. The Mets took him in the first round, so this guy is—he is. He is a lot of it has been expected of him his whole career, and it's never really panned out. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, you get a, a former number one draft pick who was really good for two months last season. All of a sudden, he throws a perfect game, and all of a sudden, you're like, hold on. Yeah. Maybe he got a hold of everything this year. It's, maybe they originally messed up by drafting mm-hmm. him in the first round. Kind of like how it took 10 years for Brian the Hare to be brought up from the minor league because he was picked 20 in the 29th round. Who cares where they picked the guy? After about a year, shouldn't he be like, this son of a bitch can hit? No, no, the, the Cubs said, oh, we, we picked him in the 29th round, so yeah. we're going to wait for years and find people like Carlos Pena and Matt Stairs and Ron Coomer to play first base in the meantime.
1: <laughs> second, so, by the way. Second.
0: Way. you see what I'm getting at?
1: I oh. absolutely see what you're getting yeah. at. Brian LaHare, by the way, second place in the National League on on-base percentage. The only guy ahead of him is Superman right now when it comes to batting, and that would be?
0: Uh, Matt Kemp, by wait. the way, yesterday. Matt Kemp guy... after the game... He flew to Portland and he saved a, a, a baby that was burning in a fire. Okay. And then later on, he walked an old lady across the street in order to, yep. in order to the clinic she had to go to. And that was in New York. He, he flew back and made a, a catch in Colorado yesterday over the wall, coach. So and not only is he batting 475 and has leads the major leagues in every single offensive category besides singles. He went over the fence and grabbed one back yesterday. Guys,
1: He's just playing out of this stratosphere right now. There's rumors that Mitt Romney, uh, that if uh, Marco Rubio in Florida does not agree to be his vice president, he's considering Tim Pawlenty, and he's thinking about Matt Kemp. That's how hot the guy is. Uh,
0: so, Matt Kemp, uh, if, uh, if something happens to Mitt Romney and you're now the president of the United States, well, what's the first thing you're going to do? Be out. I'm going to beast mode. Yeah, that would really work
1: out. By the way, his Los Angeles. Have you seen him say beast mode, coach? No. Good. Good. His Los Angeles Dodgers big dog played their first game yesterday under officially brand new ownership. They got a little pep talk speech from uh, Irvine Magic Johnson, one of their new owners. The most. I don't know if he's the. He's not the primary owner, but he's certainly the most uh, front spokesman. He, he
0: owns, uh, of the $2.15 billion, yeah, he actually took out his wallet and put, like, 74 bucks in, okay, but he, is, he owns, he doesn't own much of this, okay, but he is, you're exactly right, he is the minority owner, but the majority figurehead, yeah, is yeah. that the best way to put it?
1: Yeah, and he, boy, did he fire immediately And the old owner, Frank McCord is not the owner anymore, that's a good thing. And the first thing they did, I think, immediately, Frank McCord had raised the parking prices, fifteen or twenty bucks. And Magic brought them down. That, or you know, Magic was the spokesman. Obviously, wasn't his decision. But the parking prices are back down to ten dollars. So they're changing a lot of things, trying to make LA Dodger baseball a little bit more fan friendly.
0: Uh, Magic Johnson is a businessman because for the last month, all he has said is the McCord family and what they've done for the Dodgers and blah blah blah. Where we were in negotiations with this. Lovely, man. Oh, the deal's done. That son of a bitch has been ripping off the Doctor fans for five years. <laughs> Don't you love that, Coach? Magic's a businessman. man. I'd have no problem with him running the Chicago Cup. My... You look back at it now.
1: I've, wow. told you, I've told you this before. When people ask me, who's your favorite athlete of all time? I answer quite confidently and assuredly, Irvine, Magic Johnson, my favorite athlete of all time.
0: Have you ever seen the ESPN, uh, ESPN films, the announcement about Magic Johnson?
1: I watched part of it. That was recent.
0: Here's what you need to do, Coach. If you've watched part, you need to tape it, and you need to watch the first 10 minutes. And then whatever you want to do in the middle of it, you need to rewind and watch the last minute. Of I'm about to break up and cry over this. There's a scene of this poor little girl in 1991, and it, there's a little, a little like a little, like a, a bleachers, like a Little League bleachers type setup, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's Magic Johnson sitting in this bleachers, with like ten children and all the children have AIDS. Okay. Obviously they didn't contract it from doing anything wrong. They're all children. Right. And Magic Johnson is like telling these kids, you know, you gotta be yourself. Blah blah, you gotta do this. Well this one poor little girl, she's like five years old or six years old, busts out crying and, and Magic is like, What's wrong? And she's like, None of my friends will play with me anymore. None of their parents will let them be around me, and like she's like devastated. Okay, and Magic is like, no, you don't, you don't let anybody else tell you yourself worth, and it said all like these like the most beautiful things to this little girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, coach, it was it's so heartwarming. You're like, wow, you really affected that girl. That's how it starts. Okay, at the end, the last thing they show is a picture of this girl. She's 25 years old and wow. she's still surviving. She's like that changed my entire life. for The rest wow. of my life, all I wanted, and she's like totally helped hundreds of people with aids.
1: That is cool. That is cool. I I will definitely. Uh, I could probably go on the on-demand and get that right. The announcement,
0: coach. When you see the, I'm not. I'm just. I'm getting teared up about thinking about it right now. It was was not. It wasn't fake. Like, hey, I'm Magic Johnson, and let me get. Let let me people think I'm a big guy. She was talking to this girl. She wasn't. He was not. He was making a connection with this girl. Just so happened to be on a camera. Is the best way I can tell you. Mm -hmm. Okay, it was freaking incredible.
2: Definitely got to check
0: that out. And I have to tell. You, I think you think she's gonna die. I mean it's, and it's like it's. I was like eating, eating up. I'm like this poor girl. Why does she have to deal with something like this? She's five years old, and you know. And well, whatever. Gosh, it was. It's, it's right. heartwarming.
1: I yeah, we'll check that. I haven't cried in the movie in a long. time. The last time I cried, I think was uh, uh, in Love Actually. In Love Actually, what? where the dude from, um, the Walking Dead, I think he's the star of that, has his uh, unrequited love officially ended uh, for Kira Knightley, I believe. Remember that scene? I haven't seen that. I found that particularly touching. The only the last time I cried but at movie, I the end the of a movie was the Partly because I had unrequited love boy. for Kira Knightley too. I was living vicariously through him. What's that, Doug?
0: The only last time I cried at the end of an actual movie and not a documentary was uh, Waterboy. Adam Sandler. <laughs> That's a H two O. Remember when that scene happened? Oh my goodness, I lost. it. <laughs> then he ended up winning the game for yeah. Southwest Central Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Oh my, but, Coach,
1: that was. I, I knew you had a sympathetic nerve in there somewhere big dog very touching very touching we'll check that out the announcement hbo correct mm-hmm. showtime yes the
0: end film ah it's okay. it's 2 hours and it's definitely the whole 2 hours is worth watching but if you mm-hmm. see him talk if you see him talk to this girl I think you okay. if you would have watched her from the beginning you would have put the remote down mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm and how cool is that that they uh, interview her in the end, too? I will definitely No, no, they show don't
0: interview her. her. They don't interview her. They, they just show her. a picture of her, okay. and they write what happened to her at the bottom. Cool. That's all. They don't interview
1: her. Very, very cool. I love it. We'll definitely put that on the uh, must-see TV. Big Dog also in the uh, world of baseball. A little very quick baseball, round em up, wrap him up, got to bring up the uh story of Albert Pujols at this point, which, you know, early on was a little bit of a slump. It's beginning to become a major, well, that's probably a little bit of exaggeration, but he hasn't hit a home run yet over a hundred at bats, having a little bit of an argument with Mickey Hatcher, the highly respected hitting coach with the Anaheim Angels. And from our sources that watch Anaheim Angel games, I don't that much, but we have our non-English speaking intern staff that watches the games and report to us. Apparently has had bats of late, very un-Albert Pujols like your analysis. And again, zero home runs for the $214 million man. Uh, first of all,
0: two days ago, Albert Pujols hit a rocket line drive that went foul, would have been a home run by about six inches, okay? And it went about 90 rows back, but it was foul by about six inches. And I swear to you, when it went foul, like his shoulder slumped and his head went down, and he struck out on the next pitch. I've never seen Albert. it was like he was defeated, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's running here, oh, it wasn't. And he, I've never seen him like that. And here's another thing that I, you can read into this, whatever, because you, you didn't actually see what I'm going to say to you. But last night during... The Jared Weaver no hitter, which I stayed up to watch. So I got to see the whole thing. The eighth inning started right after the New York Rangers beat the Capitals in game three of triple overtime in the wow. five minutes to go in the third overtime. Wow. They played two hockey games last night. Two full games were played by the Rangers and Capitals. So I switch over. And I'm not kidding, coach. In the ninth inning, there was a play where. Uh, you know the play went to Albert Pujols, and then he had to throw the ball around the diamond, mm-hmm. and I swear to you, was the most robotic. Like, oh, I better not mess this up. Throw to his teammate. you know what I mean? Like, you could tell he was thinking how, how to throw the ball. I was, you know, I, I said out loud, I was watching the game by myself at this point. I was like, if they hit him a ground ball. He's going to commit an error. I, I, he, Albert Pujols is totally freaking out about this. The day before, after he the, the whole defeated thing. He came out and had a. he had an in-club message. He had a message to his teammates and apologized to them. This is it's, this is a really crazy story. And I'm not making it up about how bad he looked just trying to throw a ball to his teammates. He mm-hmm. is totally lost it. His head is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And when he finds it, Los Angeles, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this right now. Albert Pujols will drive in 110 runs and have 35 home runs at the end of the season. Yep. I'm guaranteeing it. So I don't still,
1: worry, it's in, all
3: going to change.
1: In my years of watching baseball, I I, I would put him right at the top. I always said Roberto Clemente is the best all-around player I ever saw, but if you talk pure hitters that I've ever seen, i put Albert Pujols right at the top of the list. I can't think of a better, again, pure hitter, average eye power than Albert Pujols. That's
0: the uh, you – know, I, I can't – he's got to be the best in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, Barry Bonds –
1: statistically is, but... And, and I've kind of... You know, but, yeah, psychologically, I've I I erased Barry Bonds. How about... Uh, not, yeah, I, I, almost, I totally agree. I totally, I'm with you on I totally agree. So almost local. called him Cecil Field. How about Prince Fielder? Another multi-million dollar free agent pickup for the Tigers. He had a big... I think he had two home runs in Game 2. Game 2 was a long time ago, folks. Since then, he's only hit one home run. Not as bad as pool Holes, but the Prince. Happy struggling also, Shakespeare.
0: Yeah, he has not been... He has not hit well so far this year. And uh, the Tigers have not played good baseball this year. We all knew they were going to be a bad defense, at least in the infield. It's been horrid. And it's really affected their pitching, coach. And their pitching has now been average. And now their average pitching is affecting their offense. So. So this whole chemistry experiment that the Tigers were is not good
1: so far. Lost nine of their last twelve. Big dog on tomorrow's show. We'll have to uh, preview at least part of the time. Preview the Kentucky Derby. So do your homework, my friend. Bodemeister, Doolahan, Union Rags, Daddy Nosebeat, Alpha Perspective. It is a deep and talented Kentucky Derby. We will be looking forward to your analysis on tomorrow's show. I just, I
0: just go for the Philly
1: coach. <laughs> I'm not talking about tonight. I'm talking about uh, who you think is going to win the Kentucky Derby. By the way, the best compliment to Junior Seau that I read surprisingly came from Jake Peavy, who pitched for the San Diego Padres and went a friend of Junior Seau. I wrote this down. He, Peavy said, when Junior walked into the room, the room changed.
0: That's
1: awesome. That's pretty cool.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, dog.
1: Be good. Waterriders.com today.
0: Uh... We're giving out free kayak rides today,
1: contact us. Free? How are you gonna make any money? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Waterriders.com, folks. Two guys in a mic. Talkzone.com back at you tomorrow for our Kentucky Derby preview show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>